Hello, and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie. I am joined by my co-host, Will. We're back. And Park. Hello. We are back. We uh, had intentions to do an episode live when we were all in the same city. But my cousin uh, gave me COVID, so we couldn't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. The... Plans uh, plans changed, so we instead <laughs> did zero episodes <laughs> during the holiday yeah. season. Uh Whoops, but yeah, here we are. We're back, all of you people out there. Anyways, uh, movies, that's what this is about. And the movie that we watched this week was a documentary titled We Work, or The Making and Breaking of a $47 Billion Unicorn, a film that disappointingly features no actual unicorns. Wait, yes, it does. It wasn't real, though. It was just on a screen. It says making and breaking a $47 unicorn. I thought they were going <laughs> to make a unicorn in a lab, and then they were going to break it like you break a horse. They were going to tame it and then ride the unicorn. This never happened in the movie. It has, yeah, it's actually about uh, real estate and uh, fraud. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very misleading subtitle. And I expanding have to say. the human psyche or whatever. And also know. COVID Some at the end. They're <laughs> oh, like, yeah. hey, remember COVID? I guess. <laughs> I forgot for like the entire movie that this came out this year. Yep. Because this whole thing happened. It actually in, what, came, 2017? Out, came out last year because it's 2022 now. So it didn't come oh, out this yeah, year. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, it, did, <laughs> it came out last year in 2021. <laughs> or 20. It might have come out in 2020. April yeah. 2nd, 2021. I'm okay, looking yeah. at it on my screen. And the uh, the sort of IPO failure and then subsequent blow up was, I think it was actually 2019, because I think this was when Park and I were living together. Because your brother-in-law was working in a WeWork during the whole thing. He was working thing. in a WeWork at the time, yes, because uh, he was working at a comp the company he had just started working for hadn't purchased an office space in atlanta yet for their new division here so they temporarily had their atlanta employees working out of a WeWork. <laughs> uh, and know. then i think the WeWork may have ceased to exist and then they bought an office there you go i'm glad but, yeah. that we actually know someone who has worked there because i was thinking about like i've never been in a WeWork or um, like talked to anyone about the experience before now that we're sitting here, I should have asked him some questions about this <laughs> before we did this. But interview him about what it is like inside of a WeWork. Uh, oh well, I did uh, talk to my know, dad a bit about the WeWork concept for this, since he's in commercial real estate, uh, and WeWork is a real estate company. No matter what Adam wants to tell you, yeah, it's a their landlord. That's their business, <laughs> I guess. Okay, so we should I should recap the movie because that's the thing that we t usually do on this. Uh, and introduce the concept of WeWork for people who are not familiar, if you lived under a rock in 2019, I guess. So, basically, WeWork was a company that, uh, founded by Adam Newman and another guy whose name I forgot because he smartly kept quiet and disappeared with a lot of money. Um, and the idea was essentially to rent out floors of buildings and turn them into co-working spaces as they called them which were essentially just a fucking library at a college a common space that people study out of but instead of studying at college it's for working if you're yeah. a freelancer or a startup or somebody that doesn't have an office space you rent basically a desk at we work yeah. and you work there but also they build themselves as a technology company and sort of rode this tech wave of the last few years to a absolutely absurd valuation that had no basis in reality whatsoever <laughs> uh continued to rent and then later buy lands or well okay that was essentially the scandal this is the end of the movie which sort of follows the whole trajectory of we work through the collapse in 2019 uh which is that eventually founder adam newman what he ended up doing was buying buildings or floors of buildings and then leasing them to WeWork, which is also himself because he owns the company. <laughs> <laughs> uh which 
as you may have guessed, qualifies as misleading your investors. Yeah. Uh, so then they lost a lot of money. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, they also Basically, tried to. They, they like released their uh, what is it called? Like an IPO that immediately made everyone lose any confidence in their company because it was insane. Yeah. Literally like, yeah, talking about them smoking weed on a plane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they put out the necessary paperwork, and this is how all this came out. Because they just basically admitted to all of their stupidity and borderline fraud in the IPO paperwork, and then everybody got their hands on it and were like, this company is bullshit. <laughs> it's worth nothing. <laughs> and it is so also run by, like, IPO. egomaniacs. We didn't realize just how crazy this guy was. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, so Adam Newman is essentially a snake oil salesman. Yeah. The entire facade of the company is was and i guess isn't anymore because they're not pitched the company still exists it's no longer being pitched in this way but in the adam newman era the facade of WeWork was entirely bullshit <laughs> yeah because what he's selling it as was i mean a bunch of ridiculous stuff about how it's gonna you know change the world and bring people together which is fucking stupid it's a it's a company that's not what companies do they make money um and also pitching it as a tech company when it's not, it's a real estate company or a landlord. They had tech that they were working on with like they had to office social network. They had to use computers to do their job. And yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> That's it's very interesting to me. The first kind of half of the movie before, or really two thirds before they talk about the tech side and then immediately reveal that the tech side is bullshit and there's nothing there. There's all these people that they're like, you know, tech bro engineers in the WeWork office, this being the company, not in a WeWork, <laughs> um, you know, sitting on their computers, clacking away in the background when they're not going to their, you know, coke fueled summer camp orgies. And I'm just like, what are they doing? <laughs> this is a real estate company. Yeah. It's, Why are they here? I do feel like investors sort of mixed up, like, so common, like, people who would commonly rent a WeWork would be startup people because yes. they don't yeah. have any, like, money and they can kind of just work wherever, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But the actual company itself, like, is not anywhere close to a tech company and it really sort of proves how much like aesthetic can influence people's like confidence in a company right that yeah if you just and he wasn't even really going around like at least in the footage in the documentary he wasn't like going around saying we are a tech company he just wasn't mm -hmm. not saying that and he like he was very explicit that they weren't a real estate company which was obviously bullshit but uh, he would just act like he was a tech company all the time. Yeah. And, like, he, he'd give little keynotes, like he was, uh, like, Steve Jobs, and he'd, like, he just cultivated that, like, culture, and everyone bought it. It's crazy to watch. It's, <laughs> you know, there, it's, he built an office space that works in like the same way that a lot of tech companies work where like they want everybody to work together in like a communal space like this. But just because you have that as your concept doesn't mean you're a tech company. You are, you are yeah. leasing a cubicle. You are, yeah. you are a real estate agent. You are a landlord. You're, you're not a tech CEO. Yeah. And exactly. it's sort of apparent that like they, they know that and are trying to change it because you know they're they're all wrapped up in this aesthetic but they talk towards the end about how they had like the inter-office social network <laughs> that was supposed to like connect people and be like linked in but within the we network to help you find other people that meet your startups needs in your we work community or whatever and then also like cameras tracking people and like tracking bracelets on their employees and shit <laughs> so like they're sort of moving towards some data harvesting stuff but nobody was using the networking features and like also what is the data harvesting of people in a fucking office going to tell you it's going to tell you yeah. that they're working <laughs> yeah and also it's not advertisable <laughs> yeah and also i i'm very skeptical about how much actual like intercompany collaboration was happening 
Probably like, none. <laughs> right? Cause, and that's that was like kind of their pitch, right? Because like anyway, mm-hmm. every office has an open office plan these days, right? Because it makes your employees work harder. Like people, <laughs> they realize, you know, that yeah. uh, a few decades ago. And like, yeah, it makes sense also. Like it does, it can help you collaborate with your coworkers. But like, I just don't see the world where like competing startup, or even if they're not competing with each other, like the different startups would just be like kind of helping each other out for free. I know yeah. like a lot of like young tech workers or like people who are new in startups can be pretty, pretty gullible. So like maybe you could get some like quick advice from someone like occasionally, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mm-hmm. would be surprised if the co- collaboration between people that like worked at different places was anything more than like, super like surface level stuff you know like answering a stack overflow question level (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh, work here you know Um, yeah because like especially within the tech world the amount of poaching from company to company and startup to startup is so high like you don't want your employees going and helping out another company for free because then they're just going to fucking poach them yeah and also yeah. if you're an employee why are you working for some other company for yeah, free? Not <laughs> don't do you. that well like it's literally just what what they're trying to sell is contradictory to how our economy works yeah it is built on competition that is the point of it is to make people compete with each other for resources and like if the company itself again is a fucking real estate company yeah <laughs> that is like in the competitive market as you can get <laughs> now i i will say this about the the office concept like yes the inner company collaboration is complete bullshit that's not actually going to happen but the basic concept of we work itself is a great idea it's just yeah, it's being it's not crazy it's being run yeah. by a madman is the issue yeah they just made and it, it's a great idea and it also was an idea that had existed for like a while it just they made it more appealing to be in like they yeah they made just they just made more comfortable offices to work out of and made it like trendy and appeal to like younger professionals yeah. right like exactly which they, is smart like <laughs> the company could have like just acted normal and would probably be in a really great spot although i mean it still exists now and everyone involved made a lot of money who so maybe maybe it was successful yeah. in some way i don't know mm-hmm. yeah i like i okay i'm a freelance writer i work from home i work remote i will probably work remote for most of my career and not in covid times i would love to pay some small amount of money to like have a space like that that i that can be my office right so i can get out of the house when i want to mm. uh and work but like i would be approaching it even more cynically than most people but like i can't imagine anybody is going to a space like that with the intention of collaborating with the other writers there i guess maybe you can like network but that is not yeah i guess they never being even a good call networking, it networking thing but yeah they don't they didn't really focus on that it was very strange yeah. like their whole pitch and like the funniest thing to me was how they're always they're talking about like changing the world and stuff and how yeah like obviously like you know doing the snake oil salesman thing like making everything seem very like lofty and important and then there was that mm-hmm. uh that scene where they had all the people in some we work describing like their companies like the names of their startups and you can sort of get a feel for what kind of company it is just from the name they chose. And all of them sounded like the least necessary companies <laughs> ever made. It's all just like stuff to help you like online shop, like a beer review website, just like handshake. <laughs> now the woman who did say handshake, Tennessee has picked up using that. It's, it, it's like a indeed or career finding website like that built specifically gotcha. for college graduates. That's the only company they listed that actually has turned into something legitimate. Okay, Everything well, else is go. bullshit. Yeah, but it, it's like, uh, this isn't exactly revolutionary stuff, right? They're just like, mm-hmm. mo- and most startups aren't, you know? It's just like, yeah. 
tech is a relatively new space so there's a lot of like different ways you can be a middleman for something or like create some service that like just no one's bothered to make yet <laughs> most of it's pretty boring just like b2b stuff like to i don't know <laughs> like yeah. whatever it may be like it's like a, a big startup that like did well in atlanta is called like mailchimp right they just send emails to people that's all they yeah. do mm-hmm but it's they not found, just an email. Frame. They yeah. found and a niche a and they money, filled it. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it yeah. isn't like changing the fabric of society. They send emails. Yeah. <laughs> like, they spam you. That is their job. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is you can't change the fabric of society with a company because you know you're just participating you you, in society be, as it exists. You can if you're an oil company. You can really you can spill. That's true. <laughs> you can bring upon. The uh, apocalypse and revolution faster by being an oil company. Other than that, you cannot change society. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and that's why like we work claiming that their tenants will do that and claiming that they will do that is bullshit because that's not how the system works. Yeah. Um, but back to Adam himself as the snake oil guy. This is part of why I picked this is because like the the snake oil salesman tech bro is such a eternal thing, particularly in the past few months with like all the NFT shit. Right? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> my like, apes! I it they took my apes. It, all of my apes all gone. My, all my apes gone. It hurts my heart that Adam Newman wasn't on the come up at the same time as NFTs. Oh my god! Because yeah. he would have found a way to incorporate those. In, into WeWork somehow. WeWork NFTs. Yeah. Your swipe card to get in the door would be an NFT somehow, which doesn't even make sense because it's a physical object. Yeah, it's, and it's just a horrible drawing of like a giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> Have a hologram of the letter we in some fucked up font. I just the letter we. The word we. The copyrighted word we. But yeah, like I, all three of us said. Within the first five minutes of this movie, you know this guy is completely full of shit. Yeah. And Even his wife our, says uh, it. <laughs> yeah, his, yeah, that's the funniest part of the whole movie is when he's like, the first thing my wife ever said to me is, you're full of shit. <laughs> Which is crazy, because she might be the only person in the documentary who is more full of shit than he is. <laughs> also, They're perfect for each other. Um, where was I going with that? I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. So we're we're watching him talk and being like, "This guy is full of shit." Coming from an angle of we know what happens next. That's true. We do have the advantage, in fact, full of shit. Yeah, having seen the articles during the but like when I try to put my brain in a position of like, okay, I've never heard of this guy before. And I know you can't really do this, but if I try to pretend that I've never heard of this guy before and he's pitching his company to me, I'm still like, this guy is full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing he says means anything. It's not empty nonsense. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy that it worked on this many people. And he was able to, like, get a huge... It looked like, I mean, at least in the, all the... I mean, I guess it was maybe promotional footage, so they're not going to show people that aren't enjoying their little like retreats yeah. but it seemed like he managed to fill his company with a lot of true believers like a lot of people were oh yeah like really bought into this and like thinking back to my first job out of college and we had a little <laughs> training camp of our own with uh, a lot less drugs <laughs> than <Mary's laughs> did. i feel like i got ripped off there but like uh i just spent the whole time like and they they gave us their hr speech you know and i was like rolling my eyes the whole time at that and the company i worked for then had a way more legit like stance and Mm. like they weren't bullshitting me nearly as much and i was still able to look at it with like a critical eye at the age of like 23 right Mm. so i feel kind of bad for like some of the people at this company but my sympathy can only stretch so far because boy was this guy you're you're right you should have seen the red flags yeah right? have have y'all watched 
the LuLaRoe documentary, Lula Rich. I have not. Is that the yeah. that's like a pyramid scheme thing? Yes, right? it's or, one of the yeah, pyramid yeah. scheme. It's the the leggings pyramid scheme company. I get that and Lululemon confused all the time. So do I. That's also a leggings company. But yeah, Lululemon's yeah. a legit business. Lululemon is a pyramid scheme. But they also like yeah. when I saw them doing also these parties. Really ugly pants. Yeah. <laughs> that are a lot of copyrighted images, actually. If you watch the oh. uh, the documentary. But right, resist <laughs> the the parties that they talked about in this documentary, like as soon as I saw them doing all these parties to hype people up, get people to come to the company. It's literally the exact same thing that LuLaRoe does mm-hmm. with like, you know, these massive parties that if you're a member of the LuLaRoe team, you get to be a part of. And like they show people earning all of this money from doing LuLaRoe stuff. When in all reality, everybody there is getting royally fucked over, save for the top like 0.1% of the company. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is incredibly similar to a pyramid scheme, scheme stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. even here, he scheme. says like the whole like, yeah, anybody who works for me, like you can rise to the top like me. I'm gonna pick a CWO for each location, and then they show all the CWOs, which is a stupid way just to say the CEOs of each location. Um, and it's like ninety percent white men and then ten percent white women, and that's it. Yeah, it's like the least diverse selection of people after he talked all this stuff about anybody can be here. I want all groups here. Yeah, it's and one thing that sort of bothered me about the documentary is that they didn't seem to really challenge the idea that like he believed any of this shit. Right. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. the documentary had more of the angle of like, oh, he got caught up in it, too, and like just got too big for his britches. But. From what I saw, like, he knew he was lying to people the whole time. Yeah, like, he's, he's a just, smart guy. Yeah, just like anyone at the top of a pyramid scheme knows, right? Like, they know mm-hmm. they're screwing people. Like, and this whole, like, oh, they're just so caught up in it. And, like, you know, he thought he was Jesus or whatever. Is like, I don't think he thought he was Jesus. I think he found a way to make, to become a billionaire. Yeah. And he he, he was totally successful. Like. Yeah. It worked. (laughs) I think he might be in, like, legal trouble now. He's going to get out of it. He has a billion dollars. What's going to (laughs) happen to him? They talked about that at the end. They were like, he may have to pay this settlement of, like, $400 million, but he's also about to get, like, another residual check of $500 million. Yeah. (laughs) Comes out ahead by $100 million. He's still set forever. (laughs) Yeah. Never has to work again a day in his life if he doesn't want to. Yeah. Um, So that's another thing I wanted to talk about with this movie, though, is this is a very weird... This movie is basically just a timeline Mm -hmm. of when we work up through the IPO. And it's just facts and interviews. There's There's not even a narrator... That is like walking you through this, which is very common in modern documentaries. No narrator, just interviews. That's it. That's the whole movie. Very, very fact-driven. And it at no point tries to sort of like make its own point or draw its own conclusion. It just sort of lays this out there for you. And the conclusion is obvious, which is, you know. This guy is a snake oil salesman. Yeah. Duh. There you go. Um, But you're right that, like, there are so many more levels that somebody could go into this, whether it's with the, you know, the diversity stuff, the fact that so much of his staff is white people, and especially at the higher levels of the company. Stuff like what you were talking about, Will, with the, uh, you know, did he believe it the whole time? Yeah. Yes, I think he did. But they never sort of like make any sort of statement on that. And I think it's interesting because most documentaries that are really big these days, the creator, the director is so directly inserted into it, right? So often, mm-hmm. like, they're the narrator. Yeah, the sometimes they the literally talk like about the main character. Yeah, or like when I was actively, making this documentary. You, 
you can actually hear them like asking the questions or yeah like the uh so the QAnon documentary that was on hbo last year which is awesome and you should watch that series but yeah the guy who's the director of that is like very much a character in it who is at points directly involved he's like with these people as they're fleeing countries yeah Yeah, (laughs) right and that like that changes a lot about how it works same with the jfk one that we did a couple months ago or yeah november was a couple months ago now jesus christ (laughs) uh yeah like oliver stone is you know he's a narrator and an interviewee that he's directly involved and as a public persona has a clear angle and it's interesting so there was a a thing going around on twitter this week that was like a six frame cut from an interview with uh werner herzog talking about documentaries i don't know if y'all saw this but no uh it was just him talking about a documentary sort of like convention i guess he went to i don't know something where there were a bunch of documentary directors sitting in a room talking about the art of the documentary and what all of them were saying was they were talking about objectivity it being a fly on the wall and herzog says it's like you're all idiots like we shouldn't be the fly on the wall we're not observers we're artists we should be the hornet that stings is what he says yeah uh and i don't know i think it's this one sort of stands out in being the opposite of that because I think that philosophy is what sort of dominates the space, at least with what's popular these days. Look at Tiger King, right? That was basically a reality show, but that was the biggest docu-series on the freaking planet mm-hmm. for like four weeks. Yeah. But still <laughs> do- dominated the uh, yeah, cultural People were talking about it, yeah. Yeah, in a way that rarely happens with these kinds of things. The creators are absolutely the... They're not fly on the wall yeah, in this case. They're the they guiding hand. up yeah. in that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly guiding the narrative. Uh, and it's it's interesting that this one does the opposite. And I saw it get some criticism for that. So when I was looking at review scores, I was just flipping through like Rotten Tomatoes ones or whatever, right? And a lot of the more negative ones were like, missed opportunity to like delve deeper in the discussion or whatever right Mm. and i don't i don't think the movie really had any intention of doing that Mm. it's purely just laying all this out i think to me this movie yeah it's it was done just like as easily the lowest effort possible for a documentary (laughs) (laughs) that's fair but we're not gonna work too hard we're going to show you loosely what happened. And we don't know. That's the thing. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that this is like a the director or the producers set this one out and was just showing you the facts stuff. Yeah. Because uh, we don't know what was on the cutting room floor. We don't know what interviews they didn't let in, you know. Mm-hmm. And just by choosing who you interview in the first place and what questions you ask, like you're already tipping the scale. Which is why I agree with uh, Werner Herzog, um, where, like, yeah, you might as well be the horde that stings. Like, you know, make your point. Mm. Like, don't dance around the fact that you are introducing your own bias into this story because there's no way to not do that. Uh, Like, and it's happening here, but we'll never know exactly to what extent. And you never know with any documentary, but, like, it it makes it almost like more sinister that like you don't e- it's hard to even get their mm-hmm. like their goal like to get a grip on what their goal is right other than just uh, we know people will watch this on Hulu maybe that's their goal that's probably it yeah <laughs> that's certainly a part of it I you had a YouTube video about sort of the subject right? I did and this Fears movie ago. is incredibly similar to the Hulu documentary about uh. Fire Festival they look they feel similar it's like the whole style of this is uh extremely like of its time and it feels like any other like mid level like low effort documentary you could find on the streaming sites now right just like yeah. you compiled yeah. a bunch of footage interviewed a couple people edit it together bam documentary done (laughs) 
bang. And I'm also wondering yeah. if, like, you know, how much of the financial stuff did they actually have access to for this? Mm-hmm. That's another thing. They like they might not have had access to the documents to go super in depth beyond what was made public. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's hard to know how much, like, they even how much more they even could have done short of doing like the uh, like Michael Moore like we're gonna find Adam Newman and harass him on the street <laughs> thing, which would have been great. <laughs> like that would be pretty funny. To start put like sharp objects outside of his house so he steps on him in his bare feet or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I mean you're you're right, Will, that we don't know what the implicit bias is. Mm. Or not implicit bias is not the right way to say that. Yeah, we but don't, it, it, we don't know exactly where the creators are coming from. Whereas, like I think other documentaries that I tend to like more, it's more obvious, right? Like the, yeah. if you if you know the director's angle better, it's easier to like it's it makes it easier to deal with their bias, not harder. If that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um. Yeah, I think that applies to Tiger King. Going back to that, right? It's like yeah, you know, it's a reality show, so you know that it's going to be manipulated, right? Like exactly. At a certain point, it's obvious that like, okay, this has no, this production has no interest in like the truth, <laughs> changing the treatment of animals in these place places or changing anything it's just like hey look at how fucking crazy this guy is yeah. right Isn't he funny <laughs> it, it, it is, they are they are spectacle documentaries they are not actually trying to change anybody's views or make anything like have anything done they just want people to be entertained yeah whereas like the the QAnon one i think of as being the other end of the spectrum where it's like this guy is in there talking to these people and you can yeah sort of get a look into the mind of like a prolific 8chan poster and it's also like i think a genuinely important documentary like one of the more important ones to happen Mm -hmm. in the past decade like an incredibly relevant and interesting topic that has like literally led to like deaths (laughs) like qanon has has blood on its hands as like a movement so it's Mm -hmm. very interesting to see that like investigated (laughs) i love that documentary yeah and so much of why it works that well is because the guy involves himself directly. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this one, I don't, I don't know that there's a way they could have done that in that manner. Cause there's nothing to embed in anymore. Right. Like Adam Newman is gone as much as this is a documentary about we work. It's not about we work and it's continued existence past this point it's really just about adam newman yeah uh and the way that he spun it into a pile of bullshit and then walked away with a billion dollars yeah it's it feels kind of like a summary of a book like this can this the whole story could be a good book and then yeah or like uh an article even you know just like with yeah it's it's a feature yeah it's a long reported feature where they're like, all right, here's the whole timeline. We've written it out for you, but yeah. on video instead. <laughs> and that's fine. Like that, that is, it's still entertaining. Like, and th- there was yeah. stuff that like, I didn't know about. Cause I had seen, I knew roughly about like Adam Newman and like what was going on at WeWork, but I didn't know all the little mm-hmm. details that this had for us, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't know about like the parties and all that stuff. I didn't yeah. know that they literally were like cult leaders almost with their whole yeah. <laughs> eyes wide shut style shit going on. And yeah, that was the we live stuff. The the we live and the we grow. Yeah, all they're like trying to get into all these new, I guess, different ways to do real estate stuff. Uh, and then like get into the school system it's very strange <laughs> the we live stuff was literally I, I like it's like the mega towers i've been playing a lot of cyberpunk so mega towers is in my <laughs> fucking vocabulary now but the mega towers in china I've, i watched a couple of documentaries on like living in these ultra populated cities 
where you can rent an apartment that is quite literally like a shutter door with a bed and a little table. And like, that's all that's in there. And that's essentially what these, we live spaces were. They were like 170 square feet. And people even said like, yeah, I'd have my friends over and then they would never come back. (laughs) Well, probably because it was filled entirely with like, just like, it's like an it's like a whole building that is like the nightmare blunt rotation <laughs> of people. <laughs> just like the the people you would least want to hang out. Like if one of these guys approached you at like a party in college or some shit, like I, and this I say this because it has happened to me, like, you know, going to school for like CS, you run into like startup y type people. A lot it's just really would be such a downer <laughs> like, and then and a lot of these people were like right out of college it was sort of the same thing just like i don't know it and all the interviews i was like i don't mm. <laughs> i'm sure they're nice people but like yeah. just like the way they would talk about going into the experience and it's be like oh it'd be this transformative place where i could like work on my startup change the world i don't know yeah <laughs> it's just an exhausting I, group of people they're preying on people who don't understand yet that that doesn't exist yeah yes they're either too young or they i don't know have been making ninety thousand dollars doing nothing at some other startup for the last four years they are preying on people who have a they a belief that they could be the next jeff bezos or elon musk they could come yeah. up with the next PayPal or Amazon and become multi-billionaires, which somebody out there probably will. I mean, yeah, there's other things that need to like other niches that need to be filled, but not everybody in a WeWork office space is going to do that. Your beer rating app is not going to do that. <laughs> it's probably not going to mm-hmm. change much. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, it was strange to see all the excitement around like the we live stuff when it was so clearly not going to be a good time (laughs) yeah it seemed awful Mm. everything the guy described about it when he was talking about like at the time i thought it was great and i'm like this sounds terrible (laughs) what do you mean what's wrong with you i mean it's literally like a dorm room it's like a live and work dorm room which yeah. that was I something I wrote down in my notes. I was like, this dumb motherfucker invented doors. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like I, I get to some extent why they might have like enjoyed it like at first, or like maybe the reason people enjoy and enjoy dorms at all, like in college, and I think why a lot of people have like extremely like fond memories of college is uh like you do sort of get a community out of it. And I think, weirdly, the thing that Adam Newman managed to identify the most, I mean, he didn't do much to resolve this, and I don't think he really cared, uh, was the idea that, like, uh, in at least America, like, you don't really, it's harder to have a community, really, like, it. it's, mm-hmm. uh, people are sort of getting more, like, atomized, and, covid certainly didn't help right like we're ha- we're recording this entirely on discord right now <laughs> you know like yeah. it uh you know and providing a space for people to like come together like that and just hang out uh like as adults can be really valuable right because uh, like i don't know my neighbors in my apartment complex are you kidding me <laughs> mm. i think we're hanging out no <laughs> Because like everyone's too transient, everyone moves around all the time, and uh, it's hard to like put down roots, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And he identified that like there was a longing for that, uh, and mm-hmm. used it to exploit people, basically, which is really yeah. messed up. Not cool. <laughs> Not good. Yeah, like it's it is clearly. A problem and like i'm sitting here you know making fun of these people but like i would love a little more community too the reason i don't want to live in a we live <laughs> is because if you know i don't like one of my neighbors i don't have to be around them all the time in this building that I don't leave. <laughs> yeah there's something in between there that is better for most people yeah. but it's like he well, 
he identified the feeling of community that all these freaking nerds and i can say that because i'm one of them (laughs) you know picked up at college they they leave home where they're a nerd in high school and they go to some engineering school and now everybody is a nerd and there's a sudden feeling of community and they leave college and that's gone again he's basically just like what if i made these people feel like they were still in college while they're doing their job yeah it's why they live in a dorm and they work out of a library and they go to camp and drink beer and listen to edm you know this all makes sense seeing as like one of his two things he watched all the time growing up was animal house yeah like (laughs) literally his business model is make my employees feel like they are in college in a fraternity all the time (laughs) which at some point has to get exhausting that's probably why their churn rate started to get so bad uh so yeah like he the other thing that they tried to come up with though so we talked about like dorms and the office space but then they also got into early childhood education um and they called it we grow and they were going to eventually have we grown ups and like it was supposed <laughs> to be like a whole multi-leveled education that was uh, according to his wife going to like expand the human consciousness or whatever but all they really did was just make a private early childhood development academy that cost $60,000 a year that they touted as being for everyone but was very exclusive because of that price <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it seems like an even worse idea than (laughs) their other ideas. Like, you know, like like they keep getting worse. We went to, the three of us went to, like, a preparatory private school together, and it costs Mm. a fraction of what (laughs) they're charging (laughs) for their early childhood development. Yeah. I, his wife is, like, She's a high society New Yorker, but she is like, she's a caricature of a high society New Yorker. I mean, she's related to Gwyneth <laughs> Paltrow, crazy. so. Yeah. yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow's cousin. She's like basically a crystal person, which makes sense because Gwyneth Paltrow is also an idiot. Yeah. Um, Love Gwyneth Paltrow in movies. Not 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 so much as a person. <laughs> yeah, she should really stop telling people to put porous stones in their vaginas. That's extremely <laughs> dangerous. Really bad for you. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> do not accept yeah, Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow's medical <laughs> advice whatever you do do not do that but yeah I the wife seems very much in the same vein and but also like everything that she's sort of adding to the company's like more exclusivity on top of it's exclusive crystal energy crystal shit. Yeah. So it's like even worse than normal energy crystal shit. It was also funny how she was sort of like in control of the company to some extent. Like they didn't get too far into it. Cause I guess it's yeah. maybe hard to know, but they were talking about like in their, uh, whatever they released for like when they're about to have their IPO, uh, they had some section about what would happen if Adam Newman, I don't know, died or something or had to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, official plan was for his wife to just pick the next CEO. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> pick my heir. <laughs> like, is he a king? What is this? Uh, basically. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah, like they... I mean, I, I guess I sort of saw themselves as that, uh, mm-hmm. which is weird because, like, I mean, outwardly, it, it, it's part of why I think that they didn't believe any of this at all, right? It's like they were preaching yeah. that, like, oh, we're, like, a big community while, like, he has his own big office and his wife gets to choose his successor. Yeah. And, like, he talked about, uh, I forget if he or just his parents were raised on a kibbutz, uh which like, like he was like a, born there yeah it's like but... a communal living type thing uh but he i mean i don't know a ton about those communities but i don't think they were run quite like his company was no, <laughs> i think I don't any think so. of his claims to be inspired by that are uh lying <laughs> he's just like it's amazing mm-hmm. how i feel like so many like 
news outlets are reluctant to just say this person is a liar <laughs> but he definitely is <laughs> yeah it's he's clearly he's just a fucking slimy guy which fits in with the whole new york real estate shit of like they were working with the fucking kushners who are just slumlords yes uh, like it's a uh, it's a dirty great. dirty business it's not good yeah like i i don't know <laughs> it's not not pretty uh, take for him to like profess all the communal shit and then just like do the most capitalism you can possibly do yeah is just being a landlord foul. for people <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah like, and messing God. that up losing money as a landlord <laughs> how do you even that's do that? impressive <laughs> new york landlords are notoriously slimy though i know we've kind of said that but i also like I, I distinctly remember in either like late 2019 or early 2020 a landlord getting caught literally subdividing apartments so like taking a single apartment building a temporary wall in the middle of it and boom <laughs> now it's two apartments oh my god uh, does not surprise me at all <laughs> yeah and then probably charges the same thing for the two exactly charge for the one um they yeah. they are I, I believe they're now in jail for doing that <laughs> yeah. or you know That's do something like buy a building and then lease it to your own company <laughs> imagine uh, who would do such a thing what a crazy thing to do that um speaking of slimy capitalist <laughs> brings us to the uh japanese investment firm and their uh fund for crazy people <laughs> that gets involved in the later their years, third impact is, uh, fund <laughs> <laughs> uh soft bank led by a guy named uh masa who creates this fund called the vision fund which is a hundred billion dollars for AI projects, and I know Will has some things he wants to say about this, and I'll let him do that, but I would be remiss if I did not mention that the bulk of the funding for this came from the Saudi royal family. Yes, famously <laughs> careful with their spending, the Saudi royal family. Um, yes. Just, like, real quick, they didn't touch on this in the documentary too much, but his vision for the world where, like, AI is smarter than humans, and you'll be able to upload your brain to something... Uh, I read an interesting article sort of talking about uh, the feasibility of uh, stuff like that. And the person's argument was uh, pretty compelling because uh, it turns out the whole concept that, like, y your brain, the human brain, uh, works anywhere close to the way a computer does uh, is not founded in anything at all. Even though that's the way people talk about stuff a lot. People talk about recalling memory in the same way that you would like imagine a computer like re like pulling something from the hard drive right uh that's like people use computers as sort of a like metaphor for the human brain a lot which is nowhere close to how the human brain works like you don't store memories in certain spots in your brain and you don't like pull from certain spots in your brain like uh and the Article sort of went into detail talking about how, like, uh, to actually, like, model the human brain, you would need to know, like, not only what each, like, synapse is doing at all times, you would need to know the entire history of what they have done down to, like, like the each and every moment, like, the whole history of everything they have ever done. And on top of that, the culture in which it happened <laughs> like because humans don't exist outside of culture right like getting like uh like i don't know if you you have a baby brother born in one culture you just have a sibling or, or like and in, in like another culture like if you're like maybe like a woman and then the first male is born, that could be a very different thing for you, right? Because yeah. like just gender politics are different across the world, right? And that would impact your brain differently. And like, so you can start to see how like uh, the dream of AI replicating things like that is uh, a little more complicated than a lot of people make it out to be. And a lot of people like still make it out to be very complicated. <laughs> so like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it, it was it, it was interesting and sort of uh, made the fact that this guy 
is raising all this money, like billions of dollars for research into something that uh, may just be entirely impossible. <laughs> and <laughs> there's basically like no scientific basis for like AI actually replicating human, like human thought is very funny to me. <laughs> it also like the whole philosophy of the fund, at least as it was presented in the documentary and it was in Moss's own words because it was clips of him talking about it which are translated but still made no goddamn sense because yes. <laughs> it was like I believe that in 30 years AI will be smarter than humans and this is an existential threat so to outpace the AI we're going to invest a hundred billion dollars in AI what <laughs> yeah did you think <laughs> it was a threat or not I don't it was very confusing, yeah, and maybe that might just be a product of the documentary showing translated out-of-context clips. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. what he said did not make any sense. It's like, I guess automation is, like, a threat to certain workers, but yeah. at the same time, I think, like, the threat of, like, you'll get automated out if you, like, strike is always a lie, like, because they would just do yeah. it if it was cheaper. And Automation <laughs> is a threat to capital this i don't we don't need to get into this right now but <laughs> it isn't necessarily i don't know it's it's weird automate it entirely depends on the government that is in control at the time yeah. uh as, like most things right it's like they use automation to make your life better or do they use it to make you lose your job and not make any more money <laughs> like, yeah. and as what what um, automation should be is the end point of manufacturing and we don't have to do it anymore, and the machines do it for us, and then we take all the money that we're saving by having machines do that, and we spend it on taking care of the people that don't need to work anymore, because we no longer need a workforce of that size. But that is, of course, not what we're doing. Something tells me Masa um, is not interested in that future. <laughs> well, and then there's also a major thing that's always forgotten in the automation argument and is that there is a lot of stuff that automation will most likely never be able to do and there's yeah. always going to be a human factor in automation like as an as an engineer who's taken a lot of classes on this kind of stuff on the modern factory setting there will always have to be a human factor in manufacturing yeah, and yeah. like that's what uh, my can... brother-in-law literally works on are robotic arms that are designed to work around people in car production facilities mm -hmm. where if you get within a foot of this arm, it shuts off. So it doesn't just tear your head off because they'll do that. <laughs> it's a robot. It doesn't know you're there. It doesn't know you're made of flesh. It'll just keep going. Hell, the automated pallet rack at the snack food company I once worked for killed somebody. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Robots are scary. Oh. We should get rid of them. It's time for Dune. Dune future. <laughs> Dune. If Maza had been it. like, I want to make Dune real, I'd be like, okay. But instead, <laughs> he wants to one. make Evangelion real. <laughs> or some no. shit like that. I don't think that's what he wants, but I'd be behind him more if he wanted that, too. <laughs> no, he wants... Big robot. <laughs> okay. He wants... Um, well, and... What's the... Black Mirror, that's the show that has the, like, the afterlife is just, a, like, an AI-controlled computer that you get uploaded into. Don't like oh, that. No. Yeah, that's... I haven't seen that one. No, no, no. <laughs> the most recent thing I've heard about uh, Black Mirror is that they had an episode where, like, two guys were in, like, a VR fighting game, and they ended, and ended up just, like, having sex in the fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> which is like the most like that rules. it's the most like i i wrote a story about video games but i have never played one thing because like you would have to program in your game like letting the characters fuck right <laughs> like that, yeah. that 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 doesn't happen that even in vr chat or something you would have to put in the game as a programmer a way for that to happen and that'd be a very odd thing to put in street fighter <laughs> when, are, when are we watching the vr chat documentary is there a vr chat is documentary there? yes and yeah. it's filmed entirely in vr chat wait that's sick vr chat's cool <laughs> you can also... I, I think it's a very cool like concept yeah the user can also you can adjust your models and set up hotkeys for different animations and stuff on it 
So technically, you could make a model hotkey a button that makes your dick pop out and then fuck yeah, your VR chat. You could, but they're not playing VR chat. They're playing Street Fighter. <laughs> 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 that like, it's like if they made a fighting game, but some programmer was like, we're also going to let you have sex with your opponent if you want to, and you'll feel it. <laughs> it will feel real. <laughs> which is insane and i think the point of the story it's just them worried if they're gay or not it's it's hilarious (laughs) (laughs) like that's the thing that bothers you the most about this situation i don't know i would play street fighter if it works like that yeah (laughs) also this would be the most popular game of all time (laughs) it would change the world the fabric of society would come undone. <laughs> it's what it's what Elon Musk wants with Meta. Oh my God! Wait, did Elon Musk make Meta? I'm sorry. Or no, sorry. It's what now. Zuckerberg wants with Meta. Yeah, I Zuckerberg. confuse all those all those techies at the top. Sorry, they're all pieces of it's shit. Okay. They're, they're all the they're same. pretty. So I was thinking how similar, like Adam Newman just feels like the like private company version of like Elon Musk because both of them excelled at like basically being hype men right like and elon musk was fortunate enough that like his company was like a little more sound than Mm -hmm. uh adam newman and like he managed to basically because his company he was lying for years about how successful his company was but he managed to just get it like profitable before anyone lost confidence basically right or Mm -hmm. like and adam didn't but they're incredibly similar figures where they, I think they both understood that th- their main job was hype, like get yeah. people to invest or buy stock. You know, if you're, you know, in Elon Musk's case, right? Yeah. Uh, and it works super well. We live in like an entirely hi- hype based <laughs> economy. It's crazy. Yeah. But, like, uh, it, and I, I, I think stop hit seven hundred dollars a week. Yeah, ago. I think it is a great sign for the future. <laughs> things are going yeah. great <laughs> working as intended that yeah glad i'm I glad that... everything is like dutch tulips now <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> hooray brings me to the last thing i wanted to bring up which is that i think it's funny that one of the last scenes of the movie is post uh Right or no, one of the last things before the IPO is they think they're getting twenty million, twenty billion dollars from Masa, and they end up getting six billion. And then he's like on a talk show with fucking Ashton Kutcher talking about like, oh, like we got six billion dollars. That's so much money. And Ashton Kutcher's like, come on, that's not a failure. That's a success. It's six billion dollars. I'm just like, shut the fuck up, Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. What what better and proof also, do you have that this is just a vibes based company than Ashton Kutcher like uh, sitting there in the interview? It's like Ashton Kutcher doesn't know anything. He's just an actor. Yeah. One of my favorite shots of the movie is at some point after this, around the IPO thing, there is in like, there's like an amalgamation of shots, but one of them is Adam Newman and his wife sitting on stage uh, at one of the camp things with fucking Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <Chelsea>. Yes. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Uh, regardless of what you think about Hamilton, it's extremely funny that that guy was there with them. My name, he's just up on stage. My name is Lynn, and I'm here to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a great reminder that all of these wildly successful people are just hype people. They don't necessarily know anything. Elon Musk is a fucking idiot. Like, if you listen to him talk or read him on Twitter for five seconds... That guy is a giant moron, yeah, did, but his parents own an emerald mine, yeah, so it doesn't yeah, fucking He didn't even matter. make PayPal. He bought PayPal. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. Sure. He People are like, oh, he's a genius. Look at all this stuff he made. He has never made shit in his life. He just has money and throws it at other people to make shit. Yeah. And then it turns into more which get, money which for I guess him he's good than at ever that. does for He's them. good at lying about his company. He's super good yeah, at that. he's great at That's it. That's his... <laughs> You know, yeah. and now he's gotten to the point where he doesn't have to lie as much. Uh, no, yep. 
he sort just of coast fucking now. talks about apes on the internet and his pile of money gets even bigger. Yep. He made $32 billion yesterday. But the people that work for him that actually make shit will never make that. But he smokes weed and landed two rockets simultaneously, so he's quirky. He didn't That's land good. two rockets, his fucking employees <laughs> did. <laughs> You didn't do they it. Said, I was, they said that in this documentary. Know, that's what I'm saying. Is that because they were talking no. about how Adam like was smoking weed on a private plane? Then no, let's let me rewind this. Took a private plane to Israel with weed on it, therefore trafficked weed internationally. <laughs> and everyone knows it, about it, and he's left fine. it on the plane. So then the pilots bugged out because they're like, fuck this. We don't want to go to prison in Israel for trafficking marijuana. We're not rich. We're just pilots. (laughs) I'm going home. And then he told everybody that he did this in the fucking public statement. Yep. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's what they cited to remove him as CEO. Yep. He didn't go to like he didn't like go to fucking Israeli prison or anything. He just lost his job and then got a billion dollars. Yeah, they had to buy him out to do this. Yeah, he stuff. lost his job that he didn't need, and if anything, his job that was causing him more headache than anything at that point because things were kind of coming apart for him, right? Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, like the like Park said, the person they're interviewing about this who is he's some like bank lawyer fucking motherfucker <laughs> we hate lawyers about, on this podcast <laughs> uh, i know one good lawyer you know who you are a good lawyer um but yeah they're just like what is it they said yeah he's like if you smoke weed and then land two rockets on a barge like everybody loves you but if you smoke quirky. weed and then f- flee to israel but your opponent your company is losing money then you get fired. I'm like, it's true. You but... dumb motherfucker in this movie. You said that neither of them did anything. That's true. People. Elon Musk didn't do shit. Adam Newman didn't do shit. He hired people. That is it. That's true. People do frame stuff really weirdly with companies. So they always give credit to the owner versus the people who did the thing. Oh. You know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Funny but it doesn't that work that way with blame because when Adam Newman gets the blame, he gets a billion dollars and then half his employees get laid off, but they don't get a billion dollars on the way out. That's true. Yeah. And it, one thing that it sort of broke my heart is uh, I, I feel like a lot of the people who had bad experiences with this, who were like looking for their job to like be this like positive force in the world and, uh, to give them meaning in life, and then they got screwed over by Adam Newman. Uh, I feel like a lot of them didn't really pick up on this. It's like, the the problem is capitalism. That is what is making <laughs> you so sad. Uh, <laughs> but a, a lot of them just seem to have no idea. <laughs> or like, um, mm. it, it was it was strange. It, it they, People seem to frame this as like, man, it sucks how this one individual was a real asshole in this perfect system <laughs> where everything's fine. If yeah. only Adam Newman specifically wasn't around, all would be well in the world of New York real estate rental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's where, yeah, like comes back around to the way that the film is made as a documentary with no narrator and with the director, Jed Rothstein, just kind of removed from the picture it's just laying this stuff out there. So like you can watch this and you can get that takeaway still, but sort of only if you're coming into it with that, if you're somebody who believes like the problem with these companies is when the CEO lies, you're probably going to come away with that. Like a lot of his employees did. So I don't think this is like bad or unproductive as a, film i think it's interesting and i think it's a good way to document all this but if you wanted them to go an extra step that's where you have to do it in a different style mm. and i i don't think they had to do that i liked what they did but i i get the criticism that like they should have gone one layer deeper than they did i, I agree yeah also the covid thing at the end of the was lame what was that 
everyone think epically it was... putting their mask on at the end. Like, I, you know, it's good to mask up, but I was like, what is this? I think what it do was I see? A... What are you doing here? I think it was the planning for this started either when there was a hope of the pandemic coming to an end or before the pandemic ever started. And then yeah. they're like, oh, fuck. Um, Who would have thought I would yeah. be even more cynical now on my second watch of this than my first? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, they were clearly filming all of their interviews like summer 2020, right? Yeah, because like at one so point somebody with like a... somebody got up with a mask at some point during the yeah. things. And like we're all gonna put on our mask and beat this together. Oh, 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 oh. And then the third of the country didn't get vaccinated, and here we are. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, man, lame to end was... your art with the the COVID thing. <laughs> like we're doing exactly <laughs> like the documentary. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Hey, listen, we're going to end with plugs, which are like credits. Kind of, so yeah. we're exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing it as a bit. Listen to us laugh. We definitely planned this. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Um, I'm putting my yeah, mask on was... solemnly. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, We Work, the something unicorn. I don't know. It has a long, annoying subtitle. I said it at the start. We, we work picture. unlimited blade works <laughs> season two. <laughs> um, I guess quick recommendations. I think this is pretty obvious, but uh, Park, you want to go? First? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good quick documentary. It was like just over an hour and a half long. Gets the point across. Entertaining. Dude's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh. Well. Yeah, I, I, I would recommend it. It's a good little like kind of like news piece. It feels like a newsreel, you know. Just like, this is what this is yeah. pretty much what happened. Here's some couple interviews. Uh, kind of like funny, you know. It's a fun story. Yeah, it like you said, Park. It's an hour and a half, uh, sixty minutes segment, <laughs> which is fine. It was yeah. interesting. I enjoyed it. I think it's very, very consumable. Mm-hmm. There's not anybody that I would be like, you should not watch this movie you would not i don't know yeah. absorb it yeah it's not gonna change your life stupid and it's, it's an extremely but, yeah. like utilitarian film <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but it's fun it's very much a like are you interested at all in what happened watch this movie now you know there you go yeah. it is somehow more utilitarian than the waco documentary we watched which yeah. was the most dry shit I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that one. I shit. Even the Waco one had a narrator. Dude. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Well, that's all. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will see you next time. Back to regular schedule now. Hopefully, post. Uh, you know, winter travels. Hope everybody had a good holiday. Uh, you can find us on all the stuff at Jump Cuts Pod Park at Summer Hour underscore Brewing on Instagram. Will is on Twitter at WillPostWords. He also has a YouTube channel, Will Johnston. He's monetized. Turn off ad blocker. Ha ha. Uh, me, Twitter, Charlie B. Posts. Did I miss anything? Nope. Cool. All right. We will see you next time. Goodbye. So long.